You're listening to Deep Cuts with Antoine Reed, episode 56, with special guests Timmy Bush and Daryl Redmond from Emperor's Cut Cigars. so much for for coming on today you're welcome yeah i was just uh for those that haven't read the story i was just working on uh getting your story up on tobacco business in the next couple of days uh, we did it in a magazine so now we're getting ready to promote it uh in a website in the email newsletter and i thought what a great time it would be to kind of have you all on actually to kind of talk through who you all are and what you're all doing because i know you have a such a great story Thank you, thank you, and we appreciate you even highlighting us, and 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 we we you know obviously are humbled that you decided to even bring us on the show. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, I've heard about you all for a couple of years now. I know you've kind of encountered different people that I've worked with over the years in, in the media, and they've always mentioned you all always being at the top of your game. And so you know, as I was doing my little research a couple of weeks or months ago, figuring out who to uh, reach out to for coverage, you know, I came across you all and I said, we had done that highlight of you all for um, Cigars and Leisure. And, you know, I saw the big turnout of, of people interested in your brand and the clicks that people came over. And I thought, you know, it'd be a great time to, like I said, uh, get more of your story and just to kind of learn more about what Emperor's Cut is all about and how you all came together and, you know, what's in the coming in the future. Yeah. Yeah, the future that no one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So if you don't mind um, kind of introducing yourself and letting people know what your role within Emperor's Cut is, I mean, I think that's a great place to start. Definitely. Well, I'm Temi Bush. I'm one of, with Emperor's Cut Cigars. We're based in Houston. And um, my development. And um, I just love. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So, what, um, so how did kind of Emperor's Cut come to be? I guess that's a great question that's and, and place to start. We always get asked that question, and really, it was Darnell Street's vision. Um, have our own, um, our own affinity in the cigar community. We have our own place of how we came up in the industry itself. However, he brought all together, and it was his um, whole gesture of bringing his friends and then me, Luke, together to form what what has turned into a great relationship. So how many of you are there? I know there's a lot there. You have like a massive team of people, and <laughs> each of you have your own kind of special power and special no. abilities. So. But it feels like we need special powers, but we've only seven. And um, we um, recently this year have pivoted to some office support and things of that nature. Um, change COVID changes on our fulfillment, web presence and things of that nature. However, we are just seven. Darnell handles most of the procurement. Um, he's the managing partner and really the, the brain behind everything. Greg handles manufacturing. 
Um, so we have two Gregs, Greg Willis and, and Greg Hurt. Greg Hurt manu um, handles most manufacturing. Greg Hurt and Maurice handle our fulfillment. And then Robert handles our legal side and some of the medical FBA as well too. And Daryl, who we speak to after me, handles our sales. And together, we all have our own experience. My industry experience is in technology. However, you know, obviously, through tech, you have to do business. So vicariously, I have a, a culture business development. <laughs> wow. So when did you all start the company? Or when did? 17. Okay, so you've been around for a while. So what's been the experience? I know like people, I always say like people always are in love with the idea of having their own cigar brand. And then they kind of come into the industry and sometimes they're surprised by how much work, <laughs> you know, it is to actually get the brand going. So what's been your experience, your personal experience? Like what have you been surprised by or what kind of things have you learned along the way? Well, I guess just coming together as a team, the idea is great, but there's a lot of work that goes into it. And obviously the surprise is the amount of work. Most people think there's just all this glitz and glamour shine and no one understands that there's this tremendous grind behind the scenes i mean literally day and night um you're just trying to put this together trying to make it work um no one blending process or the fulfillment process happens with logistics and customs and all those other things and it's really when you break down all those pieces and you're you're running a, a real operation that's that's fully manufacturing procurement logistics fulfillment and then you still have to go out and do your work and business development you have to grow and, and and factoring all that in working as a team structuring meetings having someone you know it's great to be a silent partner but none of us are silent <laughs> <laughs> so like you talk about all the different parts and I don't know if you get this, but sometimes I guess pre COVID, you know, when people see you traveling, they kind of think, you know, that it's just vacation time and that it, it's not a lot of work. I mean, have you encountered that when I, I encounter it all the time, so. <laughs> you know, when people see the, the pictures of you, like in Nicaragua and, hey, and yeah. all these other, they say, Oh, wow. You're, you're like, how are you doing this vacation? You're like, no, this is work. <laughs> work. And it's factored into like, you know, we have, other and we have families and it has to be carefully planned out it's mapped out it's we do an roi for every type of engagement that we have to pursue does it make sense you know uh obviously with covid it that we then brought in factor and people at you know the things of being at risk in some environments and things like that um you know obviously we're out of that with all you know having our vaccinations and those things, but we're still finding ourselves in, you know, being very cautious, very careful, having to watch every dollar spend, every dollar that we um, and, and having to put it back in the product that we are so passionate about. So how did COVID, because I know for a lot of cigar companies, they actually saw an uptick in business because of COVID, because people were um, quarantined at home and they were not traveling and they had 
a little bit more time on their hands without the commutes and stuff. So how did COVID kind of impact, you know, your business and your brand? Well, COVID impacted the business standpoint that we weren't able to do events. Um, however, we had to pivot. We had to spend more money on websites and fulfillment and shipping and receiving and things like that to get that. Um, we had to understand um, our presence both on social media and other um, avenues. Um, and COVID, yes, there, there, we, we made as However, we didn't make the mark that we wanted from the years prior because there was obviously, you know, we had to give and get a little and, and take away some as well. So also in the past year, I always felt feel like it's like the elephant in the room because you all are a black owned business, um, <laughs> you know, and I know there's two different schools of thought. There are some people who say that doesn't matter. It's, it's no, it's, it's all about the cigars, all about the product. And then there's others that say, you know, it kind of does matter to some degree, you know, you might have a different experience than other brand owners. So what is your experience? Like, do you find it easier, like more of a challenge? You know, do, do people want to try your brand just because it's a black owned business? You know, how, how does that factor into your, like what you all do? Well, you know, one thing I want to say is we're not, you know, just knowing us, we're not just a black owned business. We're women, black, veteran. And so we've got all of those things um, in the mix. And then I'm, you know, uh, Central American and black. So we've got other things and I would say that it hasn't made it easy. I know there's been some social and civil and civic unrest in the past year, and that's brought some light to Black-owned businesses, but it still doesn't make the playing field easier. What we did pre-COVID was we just wanted to make sure we had a great product. And then on top of that, and, and that meant that our launch for our first product was just we stuck with one blend because we wanted to perfect that one. And we wanted people when they touched the cigar to not say it was a black owned brand or it was this or it was that or women or anything else, but it was a great product. And it was something that they enjoyed from top to bottom. It, it had quality construction. It had, you know, great uh, uh, leaves, age leaves, things of that contributed to the the product. And then on top of that, we wanted people to walk away and say, we give everything for our Because I always say, and our team always says, our even though there's seven partners, our eight partners are customers. And we care about what that customer is. We want that customer. If you don't like our product, or if you have an affinity towards a, another product, which all cigar smokers have an affinity to everything. I mean, some like this and some like that. I can give the cigar to five people, and five people have five different opinions. They all have different mm -hmm. opinions. All we're saying is we want it in your rotation, in your humidor, and our customers is a thing that we will guarantee we'll, we'll try to do our best to keep it in Now, also, are you seeing more women finally come into the cigar industry, like in a prominent, I mean, I think they've always had a prominent place, but for some reason, and maybe it's just how the media works, you've only seen like the men get most of the attention. Now, I know when I came into the industry, 
almost a decade ago now on the media side, you know, I didn't think, you know, this stuff was for women. And then I quickly found out that once you kind of get into it, you know, it is. Made by women for women. So women have always, and that's what I tell people all the time. I grew up seeing women in the industry the whole from from the from the field process, fermenting process to the rolling process to the shipping, packing, receiving, everything, and they never got a chance to be out in front. With, you know, you would look outside and you'd see, and you know, four or five women smoking a cigar in the back, because the men were only allowed to come forward. Even when I first came out, and I've been smoking actively for about 20, just over 27 years now. And when I first came out, I remember my cousin calling me and said, Demi, what are you doing? Why are you smoking that cigar? Like, what public? <laughs> like, it was like, you know, what, what was wrong with that? I mean, it was traditionally not acceptable practice, right? So, you know, any decent blah, blah, blah. And, and those kind of stigmas we've grown away from. Because obviously, I, I love all things leaves. I have tea leaves, <laughs> some other leaves. So you know, it's just it's that kind of thing that you have to get people accustomed to thinking, we're all in this. We all can do all things put our mind to it. So I don't look at this as women are just now in the industry. I look at it as we've always been there. We've just been silent and hiding and behind the clothes, the curtain. And now we're coming out. And I think that's always kind of my favorite part is to kind of highlight that type of stuff that's happening in the industry. Because like I said, because for some reason, I've noticed the media kind of focuses on just one little teeny tiny corner of the industry. So I always like to, to get when I have the opportunity to have a woman of, of your status on here to get you to kind of say that so it's not just me saying it so people can hear that um, straight from you. Yes, definitely. And they heard it straight from me. <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of, you know, you're talking about you've been smoking cigars for a long time. Um, what kind of cigars appeal to you? So I like a medium to full body blend. Um, I'm a, traditionally an Arturo Fuente <laughs> Opus X from the year from years back. I'm a Provada number nine T52, that kind of thing. I mean, I just I, I love full body flavor, that really crema, cream flavor. You know, just just all that mix that it's refined, it's aged, it's um, a beautiful mix of different um, aromas and other flavors. So so that's me. And, and I want it full body. I don't want a sugar-coated half. So when it came to creating the different blends for Emperor's Cut, just walk us through that process. Like, how did you all decide who to work with and what type of blends that you wanted to create? What was that process like? So blending is a unique, like, craft. I'm, like, I'm a computer scientist. But when you think of, like, blending, it's like magic like in a lab and when we set out to do the first one so they the first one was all at the end when I came into the picture I only was
was there to enhance. So the process itself of working with the blender, trying, you know, understanding what you want to create and then trying different things is really a process. People think, oh, it's just, you know, you just find a cigar, call it yours. It's, it's, it's a lot of sick days because you're tasting, trying and tasting and trying all types of tobacco raw, um, not um, age, age, um, just trying to figure out that thing, that thing that you want to, to, to refine. And, and I know when we were looking for blenders, we were looking for a blender that could, that could capture the essence of who we were. And, and who we felt like was, was actually a part of our family. And so when we started down our Dominican blend, we actually had a blender that um, I basically started, um, I reached out to one of the women in the, the company, um, one of the owner's wife, and I said, hey, we're looking for a blender, we're looking for someone. And I did that with several companies and, um, and our, the team we just started trying to figure out which ones we were gonna visit, try to work with and see what resonated. We had to feel the vibe. And I know that we had to make certain that that the essence of who we were. And that's how Manuel came up um, in a several other blenders. Um, we met with um, three or four other blenders and actually did different sessions, worked with them and just tried a true trying and testing and trying and testing decided not only does the, the person have to fit the character the person has to fit the mold of who we are the company has to fit quality and things like that and and it was it was a lot of that in the process and just like a just like any kind of interview when you're trying to take on a partner or take on a new employee or anything it was it was trying to find that perfect and when you finally work with like La Aurora and all these other companies that you work with to manufacture, like how did you, what was the moment like when you finally came upon, like I said, those blends that you said, oh, this is it. Like, was it a consensus? Was it like, how does that work with seven different partners? Do you all kind of, is it has to be like a majority? Does it have to be completely like everybody has to agree on it? Like, how did you say, that's it, we found it. <laughs> so it helps that we're all kind of, scientists because because we all have this like matrix kind of personality and so obviously we followed a whole structure process that led by Greg put together we did the whole we we structured everything from our tasting set to how we were going to document each and every so so couldn't the other how we were going to document it how and as we worked through each one of those sessions and we structured it just like we were in a science lab going through trials and um, I know it's crazy but that's how that's how we processed it and actually came up with this rank number one, two three those types of things and and based on the criteria so what's your favorite part of the process like is it the blending process? Is it the sales process? Is it the events? Um, I would say it's the, 
because and, and a lot of people look at it like that's the like the best part but it actually is a challenge the events have to go on schedule the events um the they they have to be carefully picked out and and the social component and community component that and so for me i enjoy seeing places that are popping up places that are doing great work in the community our core charges to work with other community programs. So in the community spent on places that can that are obviously doing good work in the community. But I love that aspect. I love um, the business development aspect. So I love seeing the business grow in that way and watching the gratification on the faces of our partners and our sellers and and now our new partners. So when it comes to getting your product into the stores, like how do you even approach that? Because to me, that would be the most frightening part for me because I'm always like, how do you, you know, how do you get somebody to buy into what you're doing and then, you know, actually make a transaction? Like, what is that like? Like, how do you convince the retailer who has a limited shelf space? That's always what they say. We always have limited shelf space. How do you tell them, give us a little space, you know, in your humidor and this is going to sell for you? I think the biggest thing is, and that's a good question, is really the relationships that you require in this business. A lot of us came in to the industry having traction in the industry and having relationships in the industry. And this is not, it, it's collaboration, collaboration, everyone all the time. You can't do this business in a silo. You have to understand the needs of the different communities, and then you're not going to walk in there and just someone's going to say, "Oh, you know, it's fabulous." There's a, there's thousands of cigars that are fabulous, and 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 thousands more that are greater than fabulous. So you have to really come in with the value add of the relationship. Um, either there's a previous relationship, or there's a value that this relationship will bring. As service to the retail shop, that lounge, or that big box store. And another part I think of that relationship is the cons your relationship with directly with the consumers. Absolutely. Who are hopefully, going to go into those stores and drive that interest. So, how do you kind of build a community and a following, you know, with the consumers? Because I know marketing a cigar or any type of tobacco product can be challenging. You don't have like the normal you can't do a facebook ad or a twitter ad or any other type of online advertising really uh, unless it's with a, a you know cigar blog or something like that so how do you reach out and engage with those consumers that and get them to buy your product I, so again good product so keeping on that the consumer as feel as as being a part of the consumer is a part of our team because we we treat the when we started out our mission was we wanted to be able as owners to always remember our customers always smoke with our customers always pay homage to our customers our retail and our, our customers and so always making certain that we keep our customers at the forefront and we 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 that we are 
we are we are there for them. So we are our community, our teachers in the community, social community, community that nature. Several of us do community service. Um, and, and actually each of us does do community service. We have different service initiatives. We also have political and, and other that we try to of and try to do our part in the community. So I think knowing our customers know that we're true and tied to the community and we have a, we try to basically work with those, support those that support us. And we follow that motto. Um, if we're, if you're in line with us, we're in line with you. And, and we want that going. You know, we've had, we've had great partnerships and, and come along and in and out and and we just know that we're loyal to those that are loyal to us so in the last kind of five minutes of your part of the interview um you know I, people always want to know like what's next for emperor's cut and i'll ask daryl the same question so i want to see if you two come up with different answers that but you know what can you kind of share with people because they always want to know what's new what's next you know are you working on anything new with the, the brand, like what can people expect out of Emperor's Cut for 2021 and even going forward? Well, we're always in the lab. So that's that's number one. We're lab. Uh, right now, tomorrow, next for me, in at Total Wine and um, in Claymont. And, and I enjoy that. It's Cigar Week. So, so, so we try to all stay connected things that are happening. In, in the retailers that support us. Um, but next, as far as our growth and opportunity, we, we try to get a, a, an idea or, and, or idea in the hopper. So there's a growth opportunity for us. Um, and, and we're just managing them carefully. We're looking at the environment. We're looking at the post-COVID situation. We're trying to understand what that means for a lot of the events we're doing right now. So we're, we're trying to, to manage all that. Um, so there are a couple of things that we just want to kind of keep at the forefront. But for us, yes, we, we're in the lab and um, we'll continue to be in the lab. Well, awesome. Well, we're getting ready to let you tap out and then we're going to tap Daryl in. So if, are, is, if you can, if you think, if, is there one question we should ask Daryl? I'll ask you. Is there a <laughs> A specific question we should ask him when he comes on in a minute. Ask Daryl, what is he drinking? <laughs> <laughs> He's always up to something. No, Daryl's a great guy. Um, he has of knowledge, but he's always got something he's sharing his cigar with. So, yeah, that's my, that's my funny question of the day. Okay. Well, <laughs> like I said, thank you so much for coming on, and we're going to let you hit the X button and tap out, and then we're going to get Daryl in here and um, kind of wrap up this interview. So thank you so much. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for coming on. That's great. Thank you for having us. Definitely. Thank you for having us. Oh, no problem. Like I said, I always like to extend my platform to brands that I don't feel like are getting all the attention, I should say, that, that uh, that some of the other brands get. So I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you for 30 minutes. And uh, I think you had a good lead in with Timmy. 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of, um, are we live now? Yep. What is up? What else is there for you to ask me? She's covered just about everything. <laughs> you got the COVID situation. You got, you know, the uh, racial and, and political situations. You covered just about everything. I, I don't know what's left. I am drinking yeah, something special, got, though. Got, <laughs> your, your input on some of this stuff, because I know that even though you all are a collective, I know you might have your own take on, on some of these questions. So uh, I, I, I definitely don't think we covered everything that, that needs to be covered. So if you would just introduce yourself to those people who are still watching or people who are going to be listening post uh, live, uh, just introduce yourself and let people know what you do within um, Emperor's Cut. I'm Daryl Redmond. Uh, I am in charge of sales with Emperor's Cut. I do big box sales. Uh, which are the large distributors and also some of the retail stores. And I push a lot of products out to some of our lounges, the lounges that we support and the lounges that support us. So when it comes to sales, I always feel like I tell people, like, I'm not a salesperson. So every Neither. time they try to push me out to sell something, I tell people that I'm not that person because I, I think I get anxiety just thinking about going up to somebody and saying, give me, you know, here's the product. <laughs> you know, it's good, but you need to give me money for it and stuff like that. So how do you approach sales? Well, you have to be willing to accept a no. And it doesn't, it's not personal. It's not a personal thing. Um, we have a job to do, and our job is to sell cigars to the customers who appreciate the brand, that appreciate good smoking cigars, and that can appreciate what we're trying to do um, for ourselves and for society. So when I approach sales, it's really a... I'm going to have a good time and a good conversation with someone. And if they like what we do and they like what we have, then we complete the sale. So when you walk into a retailer who's never heard of your brand, which I, I would think at this point should be very few, um, you know, what's, how do you start that conversation? Because I think a lot of people, in some way, we, we all are salespeople. But, um, you know, I think you, you obviously you, have to carry it a little bit further than some of us others so how do you push i didn't that? i didn't get this gray hair hair by you know mistake you know i've been around for a couple of years i'm really you find a common bond with just about anybody if you open your mouth and ask the question you know i i like to know where you're from so that i've traveled a lot of different places i probably know someone someone close to where you are from and this, this world is getting a lot smaller. Six degrees of separation is no longer true. I think it's more like three or four degrees of separation. And there's some commonality when you walk into a place and you're holding the cigar and someone hasn't seen it before and they want to take a look at maybe the band or they get a uh, smell of the aroma of the cigar. They say, what is it that you're smoking? I normally don't just walk up to someone and start trying to press them to buy our cigars. Do a little research first to find out, you know, a little bit more about the person that I'm going to talk with, if it's an owner. Um, but there have been many cases where we've met owners in happenstance and diff different circumstances and just having a good conversation with them, allowing them to tell them, tell you a little bit about themselves reveals a lot more what position we are in, ter in terms of trying to sell a cigar to them. Now, tell us about the different lines that you all have. Okay, that's a great question. We have two different lines. We have a Nicaraguan blend, which is our ONP. We call it Natural Pleasures. Um, it, we carry four different sizes, a Toro, a Gran Robusto, a, what we call a Shorty, and a Toro, uh, I'm sorry, and a Robusto. 
Um, it's a Nicaraguan blend with an Ecuadorian binder and a Maduro wrap. It's a little spicy, um, notes of pepper when you first light it off. Um, then have hints of cocoa and coffee throughout the cigar. Um, I, it's my favorite cigar of the two that we carry. Um, I'm pretty um, happy about smoking it whenever I get a chance to smoke one. Like now, I'm relaxed. I'm at home in my man cave. I'm actually uh, trying out the Gordito, which is our, our Dominican line. Uh, this is a um, 58 ring gauge, four, four inch cigar. We carry it in that size, the Gran Robusto, 52 by five and a half. And then we also have a Toro, which is a 56 by six and a half. Uh, the uh, Dominican line is a little um, different. It's complex, a little more complex than the, uh, the Natural Pleasures. Has a uh, three different types of long leaf filler. You have a Peruvian leaf, you have a two different Dominican leaves, and you also have an Ecuadorian binder with a sun-grown Sumatra wrapper. So it has a little more complexity. It's a, um, a milder cigar with notes of, um, I would say, a little orange peel to um, a little creamy finish when you finish um, smoking. It's, it's an excellent cigar as well. Now, I recently saw that you all managed to get open up, I would say, like a um, deal with Total Wine to get some of your, the Jazz Series, I think it was, into some of their stores. So how did that happen? Because I know... There's a lot of cigar people, you know, brand owners who would love to have that kind of, <laughs> you know, to open that door, and you all did it. So how was, what was that process like? It's all about relationships, and um, it's a long relationship that we're trying, to, we're trying to establish with them, definitely. And it was a long period of um, picking up the phone and calling and trying to talk to folks and getting in touch with the right folks at the right time. Um, it was timing as well. Um, the, the COVID is starting to lift a little bit. Maybe they were exploring new opportunities for you know minority-owned businesses, and they gave us an opportunity, and we're trying to make the best of that opportunity. And we asked Timmy that question about being a minority-owned business. So what's been your experience? Because I know, like I said, I've gotten both ends of the spectrum. I've gotten people who say it, does, it shouldn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's all about the product. And I have other people who says, Sometimes it's a little bit harder or a little bit more of a challenge to, to open, just get some doors to open. So what's been your experience? Well, I live in South Florida. So the, the dynamics here are very different than some of the other places around the world, period. Right. <laughs> um, in some cases, uh, the doors have been wide open for us. We've been embraced and we've been, you know, hey, come on in. It's, it doesn't matter who you are. Once you sit down and start smoking a cigar and start talking about everything other than yourself, the doors are wide open. I don't think I've had a bad experience um, because I want to allow myself to, you know, bring that into my, my circle. Um, I think I've had some, some turnaways that I thought should have been a good sale, but hey, for whatever reason, it wasn't our time to be with them. They missed the opportunity. I didn't. And I think the other part of sales for me is always the marketing because with good marketing, hopefully that opens the door to more sales. So how do you all approach marketing? Because as I was talking to Timmy, marketing of any type of tobacco product is a challenge because you can't use the traditional means now. Like you can't use Facebook ads, you can't use Google AdWords or, or any of that kind of stuff to promote your brand. So how do you all approach marketing? Um, very strategically. Um, Greg, uh, Greg Willis is uh, part of the, the leading of the marketing uh, campaigns for us. And our marketing plans are very strategic. Um, 
well thought out, and we don't release anything until we are ready to release it. Uh, we want to make sure that we have done our homework to find out what the consumers actually want, what is actually trending. We do a lot of analytics on uh, Facebook and, and Instagram about when and how to put our products out there uh, so that folks can get the, uh, the, the most visualization of those products. So it's really strategic moves that uh, Greg has put in place and we adhere to his direction on that. How did you adjust your marketing and your sales for during COVID? Oh man, everything <laughs> went online. Everything went online and we were heavy in social media. We actually did a thing, um, we did a Friday happy hour. And um, I think one of the very first posts that we, uh, that Greg created, um, I don't know, how old are you by the way? I'm 36. Do you, do you remember the Brady Bunch? Of course. All right, so our first, uh, <laughs> Our first uh, piece of uh, marketing uh, material around this Friday happy hour, it looked like the Brady Bunch. It was blue squares, and each one of us were in one of the squares. And I thought that was great because it, it caught your eye right away. And it looked like we were, you know, all family, all together, and we were all in there having a good time. So I think um, that kind of started it off, um, us being on social media and hosting um, a happy hour that was informative, um, educational, sometimes funny. Uh, we've had sports icons on there. We've had comedians. Uh, we did um, educational seminars on how to smoke cigars, uh, financial planning. So we tried to educate and just kind of keep our, our name and our awareness and Empress Cut brand out in front of folks. And education is a major part of this industry. And I don't think a lot of people understand or know how important the education is because you can never assume somebody is as advanced <laughs> as you might be. So how do you yeah. kind of approach that that education? Like, um... Free education is always the best. So you learn from those who have been there before you. And we try to partner with um, folks that have experience in the industry. We try to partner with folks that have in experience in the sales of the tobacco. So we have uh, partnered with folks that bring a little more substance to what we do. And then you have to read. I mean, there's a lot of literature out there about all types of cigars, all types of tobacco, um, all of the laws that are, are actually coming up. Uh, it's a um, ongoing process. I'm a licensed insurance agent and I have to keep renewing my license and doing continual education for my insurance license. I have to do the same thing for these tobacco products so that we can stay consistent and stay relevant. In terms of uh, the education, I mean, do you have you all gone through like the Tobacconist University program or do you look at stuff like that or is it more just um, getting to know the tobacco from maybe some of the manufacturers, the other the growers and stuff like that? Uh, some of both. Um, I haven't started my uh, classes yet, but I'm signed up to do some tobacconist classes myself. I want to learn how to roll um, and making sure that I roll a nice a good cigar as well. So um, the education is out there and we're taking advantage of it. So I know you have your product made at La Aura, but where's the other product made? I can't tell all the secrets in one <laughs> second. <laughs> uh, the, other, the other product is in, in Nicaragua. Okay. Uh, a manufacturer in Nicaragua that we've been working with for a couple of years um, that helped us develop this um, blend. Um, they changed names a couple of times, so I, I don't want to release um, all of the information about them yet. I always am interested in knowing from, from people like you who are successful 
who have their own brands and stuff like that. When it came time, like, do you have any other like people that you reach out to for information? Like if you are kind of at, at a loss of something, you say, I need, I need to figure out how to solve this problem. Who, you know, uh, outside of your team. Who, outside of my team, the, uh, yeah. I have, I have a mentor. That you might reach out to. Yeah, there's a couple of people that I reach out to that are completely separated from the industry um, that have a different thought um, process about what we're doing. And one of those folks is my uncle. He's a um, retired police officer, um, state trooper. He's a retired military, and he's a minister. Um, and he likes to play golf, and every once in a while he enjoys a cigar. Um, and he has had so much experience in life that uh, when I find myself in a rut of um, not knowing something or – looking for somewhere to find the information, I kind of lean on him. He's been around for a while. I uh, unfortunately lost my father when I was young and my uncle has stepped up to be that man that I can lean on for support. So what's some of the best business advice he's giving you? Some of the best business advice, uh, learn how to say no. You know, every customer is not your customer. You know, you don't have to go for that one that um, may have the largest humidor in all of the, states that you represent because you might be that only this much room in that humidor for your product and it might get in you know cannibalized by all the other products that are there so that you don't always have to go for the big the big bucks or the big uh, win to uh, be successful and he also um, has always told me to just keep pushing forward um, no matter what happens um, the next day can be better in terms of collaborations i know some people are big on collaborations are you all big on collaborations is there anybody that you're kind of pining to work with at some point in some capacity in the industry or are you kind of cool kind of off doing your own thing that question probably would be answered differently by each person in the organization um i really have uh, had a good experience working with some of the um the rep representatives of Uncle Nearest. Um, I think we have a, a like-minded uh, business approach, um, and I enjoy what they offer in terms of uh, their spirits, and I think that they would be a good fit for us. So if you know anybody um, that knows uh, you know who to talk to over there, we need to be in contact with them. I know you got a lot of pull. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see what I can do. Um, <laughs> now, in terms of, like, since you've been in the industry for a while now, I know it's different once you kind of get into the business side of the industry. I know as a consumer, you kind of have your idea of what the industry is about, and then you kind of get into the back end of the industry, and you're like, oh, this is the reality. So for you, has there been, was there anything that you were surprised by, like once you came into like the business side of the industry that you didn't, it didn't come up to your mind when you were just a consumer enjoying a cigar? Um, yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I think was most shocking is how some one little thing can disrupt the, um, the timeline and the cycle of you getting your products. Um, it could be a bad storm. It could be civil unrest. It could be, um, you know, a flat tire by the FedEx truck, you know, and that delays your, your shipment of products and getting to you and how that affects everything else that you have in line. Um, your timelines for uh, supplying different groups of folks that are looking to get your cigars yesterday and out of your hands on, you know, Mother Nature or the circumstances that have delayed the, that shipment to getting to you. But you have to be prepared for things of that nature. And I think Darnell, Greg H. and Greg W. have done a good job of um, 
making sure that we are prepared for what comes next. Now, for if you were to start your business today, like what would you do differently? If I was to start my business today, what would I do differently? That's one of my Oprah questions. <laughs> it is a good Oprah question. Let's say I would, I would travel just a little bit more to some countries that have not been exploited by cigars. Oh. Um, I would go to some countries, um, South Africa, um, Australia, you know, if there's some tobacco leaves that are different and have a different um, structure or flavor, I think I would try to do travel to some other foreign countries and, and kind of absorb their, their take on tobacco. Now, I know you've traveled, obviously, to some of the big, you know, cigar countries. What's been the best kind of trip that you've taken so far, like, that you just came out of it just completely mind-blown and wowed and inspired by it? I can tell you it wasn't out of country. It was right here in the United States. Okay. Um, we recently visited a uh, an upstart lounge in um, Haines City, Florida. Um, the person that owns the lounge is, um, was inspiring to us because he, he was so uh, promising um, the things that he's doing. He actually owns a, a vocational school. And uh, the, the cigar lounge that he's opening, he's gonna donate 25% of the proceeds to his vocational school. Um, he's he's an engineer by trade, and he had actually um, built most of the cigar uh, shelving that was in the location. Um, he's planning on having a um, an open area for um, live music on a large deck outside with gazebos and waterfalls. Um, he also has a restaurant that he's put in this place, a barbershop, a, um, a shoe shine stand. Um, he's incorporated a little bit of of a lot of the cigar lounges he's visited around the country and he mentioned one that he visited here in um in miami that he kind of took some of the uh style away from it uh but he was so passionate uh about what he was doing and so passionate how he wanted to help the children um to uh, get an education to learn a trade for those who weren't able to uh, complete it on a regular uh term um i thought that was outstanding amazing um and his passion just you know Gave us um, more, um, I don't know, makes my heart feel a little funny now. Gave us a little more inspiration to um, to get keep moving and move forward. And I think by him telling us what he was doing and how we're playing together, I can see that we're going in the right direction if we're following folks like this. And I see a lot of people that are in the industry that are like that in some way. Like they're doing good, but we never hear their stories, which I always think is kind of, I wish more of the media would kind of look for those stories rather than just posting press releases, um, kind of telling you what other retailers and what manufacturers like the good that they're doing. Because I yeah. think, you know, I think one of the big problems that we have in the industry is like when you look at regulations, it's because tobacco and people who work in tobacco are vilified. And it's like they have no redeeming qualities, but we know that that's not the truth. Oh, yeah. Um, we all do some type of volunteer work. Uh, for our community. Um, I do some mentoring at through uh, Dade County Schools. Um, I, there's 393 schools. Um, I support them with my insurance business and I'm able to meet and touch and talk with kids 
uh, about, you know, their future and, and what they want. This was pre-COVID um, <laughs> and what they're trying to achieve. Uh, but the, those are some of the things that I'm involved with. And each one of us has our own passion. Um, I actually was involved in junior achievement when I was in high school. Um, and I've always you know, tried to give back to that organization because it kind of shaped where I am now. So you, you just mentioned COVID, like are things, I know you're in Miami, so obviously Florida period is handling the COVID thing completely different or has for most of the duration. So um, I guess when you're speaking, looking at the whole team, I guess, are things kind of getting better to the point where you all are going to be able to, to travel more and, and start doing some events again? Or is it still yeah. kind of a, a kind of, let's be a little bit hesitant and see what happens? Well, we We've all um, been vaccinated um, so that we feel a little more comfortable um, in moving around the country, um, but we're still taking it cautiously because no one really knows how this is going to move moving forward. Um, and we, we want to be here to enjoy, you know, the fruits of our labor. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm the same way. I, I feel, you know, I'm uh, due for my second dose in a couple weeks. So, you know, I'm being cautious as well. I was used to traveling before. COVID and I haven't traveled for a while, but I feel like I'd rather wait and see, like yeah. you said, be a little bit cautious, <laughs> cautious yeah. to see, see how, how things go before we get back out there. Yeah, oh, definitely. And if I can't get there by car right now, it's, I'm not going. <laughs> so you're not even doing the, the, you're not at the point yet where you, you're jumping on a plane again. No, if I can't get by, get there by car, it's out of the picture right now. <laughs> so you're down, like I said, you're down in Miami. I actually went to UM for, I would say, an academic year. That was all I could take before I, I had to go, <laughs> come back, back up, up the South. And people were like, oh, but it's in the South. And I was like, no, Miami's just, I feel like Miami's its own country. Even uh, compared uh, to like the rest of my, rest of Florida, I feel like Miami should be its own. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> its I own agree. Completely state I, I and, agree. And country. It's a different mindset. It's a different group of people. It's just different down there. Oh, I agree. Um, I'm a Virginia native, like most of us are, um, in Empress Cut. And when I moved down here 20 plus years ago, I was shocked. And I'm still shocked on a daily basis. They <laughs> <laughs> say so if, if something happens crazy, it happens either in Miami, or Florida, or it happens in New York. So I, I, I guess say, I. I would say Brickle has gotten a lot better than what it yeah. was when I was in school. Because it used to be like, when you, it was like the Lion King. They would tell you when you went to UM, they were like, you can go anywhere in Miami. Don't go downtown. <laughs> and and it was it was like, don't, whatever you do, don't go downtown. And now Brickell's like, it's completely, I mean, that's where, where if I, when I go down to Miami, that's where I like to stay now. It's like a completely yeah. happening, completely different vibe now. Yeah, Brick, Brickell has, very, has come up very well um, in the Wynwood area. Um, there's a lot of nice, um, eclectic places down there. Um, I enjoy it. Everyone, every time someone comes to visit, I take them on a little tour. You know, I, when you come back down, if you want a, a tour of Miami and some of the parts you might have not have seen, give me a call. We'll, we'll hook up and um, take some ride and smoke a cigar or two. Awesome. I will do, definitely do that. Like I said, I'm looking forward to getting back out there at some point soon. <laughs> yeah, some point soon. <laughs> so, I mean – in the last couple of minutes we have together, I know that there are people who are still interested in starting their own brands, um, despite the regulations, <laughs> despite the challenges, 
despite the, the short, you know, the limited shelf space, um, if you had to give advice to people who want to still get into this industry, what would that advice be beyond don't do it? <laughs> <laughs> um, don't get into the industry thinking that you're going to be rich. Um, get into the industry because of your passion for cigars. Um, we all have a passion for cigars. Getting rich wasn't what we were intending to do, which we are not at all. Um, but we love cigars. We thought we had a, we know we have a vision that could um, move our products out and also support what we like to do. At the end of the day, if we don't sell any more cigars, we'll just smoke them all. Um, and that's, that's where you have to uh, really, you know, put yourself in that type of position. So and when you're obviously, you know, you have your own brands and I know you like to smoke your own brands, but obviously I would think it, when you're doing research, quote unquote, you like to smoke other brands. So what are some other cigars out there that have kind of um, surprised you in a good way? Um, Lotto Auto has a cigar called the ADN. Um, I'm normally not a medium to full not a, a full body cigar smoker. I'm using medium to full. It's actually the most uh, full cigar that I've had that I actually really enjoy. It's an ADN. Um, I also like the um, Perdomo box pressed. Um, that's an old cigar that they've um, had around for a long period of time. Um, that's one of my favorites. And um, every once in a while, um, a Series V um, or a um, Arturo Fuente. So I, I smoke other things just to uh, make sure that I can uh, discern my palate. Um, I think I have a pretty good palate. I also like to cook. So, you know, if you're cooking different foods, you kind of have to know what goes in, what to make, what tastes good. And I can kind of pull things out of um, restaurant meals. Um, any restaurant I go to, I can probably recreate the food that they serve. Um, so I think I have that ability to um, d discern the different types of cigars that I like to smoke as well. So if you had to pair Emperor's Cut Cigars with a different meal. What kind of meal would you make for each cigar? Okay, let's say with our jazz cigars, um, I do a, a steelhead uh, trout, blackened, um, has a nice spicy uh, flavor to it. Um, I do it on the grill, uh, maybe with some uh, sauteed spinach on the side and uh, baked sweet potato. So you have uh, a little salty, a little peppery, and then you have a little savory. Perfect pair. Um, if I were going with our natural pleasures, which is, it has a little more bite, um, a filet mignon, medium, medium rare, um, with a, um, a nice glass of uh, Malbec, um, and then uh, maybe some asparagus and um, uh, some couscous on the side. Okay. Yeah. See, mouth watering a little bit there. I know. I was like, I was thinking about dinner. That's why I went into a trance. I was like, what's for dinner tonight? <laughs> so, you know, in the last couple of minutes that we have, let us know, like, what, I know you all said you've been working on your website. So what is that website? And also what social media should people be following to keep in touch with you all and to follow what you all are doing? Okay. Um, on Instagram, we're at Emperor's Cut Cigars. At Instagram and on Facebook, it's EmpressCut.com, Empress-Cut.com. Um, you can follow us, um, sign up for our website to get the newsletters, um, the information about what's going on with the company and where we might be next, kind of like following Waldo. 
Um, where is Emperor Cuts going to show up next? Um, those are the sites that you can follow, follow us on. And um, we really appreciate you having us on today. I don't know if they, like, like I said, I wanted to extend my platform as, as small as it is to help, you know, get your story out there because I'll, as a member of the media, I look at all the coverage that everybody else always does. And for some reason, you know, I've not seen much on you for some of the other media people. And yet I know people who have encountered different members of your team who are down like in the, in the past years, not COVID year, obviously, but mm -hmm. the Nicaraguan festival who has said, you know, oh, Empress Cuts is like this awesome company and, you know, we need to do a story on them at some point. And I know we finally got that story done, but um, I, like I said, I followed you all for a while. So I'm always interested in having you all come on and tell that story directly to our, to people who are listening and watching and all that kind of stuff. Well, there are five more of us that um, can participate. Uh, we kind of consider ourselves the Wu-Tang Clan of the, in the cigar industry. You know, we all bring something different to the table. So um, definitely uh, reach out to us. We enjoy um, uh, talking about the cigar. We enjoy talking to, you know, our customers and the media um, to help uh, spread our story. Um, thank you once again. Yeah, well, definitely. Like I said, we'll have to do like a, a return trip to this conversation with maybe a, a different combination of your, your team. Yeah, exactly. It would be a different combination. All of us work well together, so um, you'll get a little bit different. I think I might be the more loud-speaking one. Timmy's the <laughs> very <reserved> one. <laughs> well, thank you so much, you and Timmy, for coming on today and telling us about your first cut and your experiences in the industry, and I look forward to whatever our next encounter is. Maybe it'll be when I, whenever I finally make it out to Miami again. <laughs> more than welcome. Just give me a call. Let me know you're on the way. Will do. All Thank right. Thank you so much. Thank and, you. Uh, look forward to our next encounter. Thank you very much. Have a good good day and uh, many blessings to you. You too.